Good morning, and welcome to New York Sports and Beyond on 98.7 ESPN, where our goal every week is to entertain, enlighten, and expose you to information that can lead to positive change in your life. I'm Larry Hardesty. My guest this morning is my good friend, Ellen Belk. She's a dementia expert, silver living strategist, and founding owner of Keep in Mind, which provides some alternative ways to help Alzheimer's patients. So, I know you're preparing for a nice Sunday breakfast. I know you're chilling on a Sunday morning. Maybe you're getting ready for a virtual sunrise service or maybe a really early run. But please, before you do that, grab a pen, paper, your smart device, whatever you need to take down some information, phone numbers, links. You will need it because when we return on New York Sports and Beyond, we'll talk Alzheimer's on 98.7 ESPN. Welcome back to New York Sports and Beyond here on 98.7 ESPN. I'm Larry Hardesty. Well, after 10 successful years in sports broadcasting, Ellen Belk transitioned into the senior living space. Yes, she traded her courtside seats on Press Row in the Big Apple to take an entry-level job at a nursing home in Wisconsin. Well, four months later, her career was on the rise again when certain local leaders realized she was a force to be reckoned with. Why? Well, she brought a fresh set of eyes to a new perspective in an industry that doesn't crave change. Early on, Ellen stood out as a fearless advocate for both residents in her care and the staff she supervised. She's held leadership roles within several prominent organizations like the Election Brothers Healthcare System, which is now Ascension Health, Brookdale, Atria Senior Living, and Milestone Retirement Communities. She's had remarkable success creating company-wide signatures and initiatives that garner media attention and complement the sales efforts for each employer she served. I tell you from first experience, she's a natural born leader. Once an industry outsider, she's now a dynamic speaker, dementia expert, and celebrated innovative thought leader in the aging space. She is Ellen Belk, and we welcome her to New York Sports and Beyond. Good morning, Larry. Happy to be with you today. So glad you can make it. You've been a busy lady since we last chatted, so let's kind of get people caught up. Let's start with all the various titles that I gave you in your opening. So let's begin with the founding owner of Keep in Mind, and let's give the website right off the top. Sure. Um, Keep in Mind is my consulting company uh, where we specialize in silver living strategies. And I, of course, I'm still a dementia expert. That hasn't changed since I last was with you. And the website is obviously all the W's. Keep in Mind Inc., like incorporated. So keep in mind Inc. Excellent. Now tell me what exactly is a sober living strategist? (laughs) Well, let me tell you, my friend, uh, the baby boomer population is the largest grow is the largest uh, generation on recorded history. The we are very tap dancing, very close to having more older people than younger people. (laughs) Uh, You know, if we use 65 and older as a barometer in this country, and so there's a lot of opportunity for right now for uh, in the senior living sector, which is where I've worked for, you know, 20 years since I left broadcasting. Um, but then there's a lot of technology people trying to break into senior into the senior sector and any, anything, any goods or service or product that is geared towards um you know, over the age of 65, that's kind of this, you know, everyone calls them a lot of elderly or seniors, even I sprinkle in seniors, but I thought it would be really cool if instead of, you know, giving those labels, I gave it the silver, silver living strategy, uh, silver mm-hmm. living strategies and silver living solutions. Cause I think silver just sounds better than old gray. <laughs> yeah. So it's uh, I, I, I work, I have consulting services and primarily my clients are those tech people 
that are trying to break into that to the aging sector, they know technology, but they don't know how to navigate the operational workaround that is often so necessary. And that's where I come in. I kind of lend voice and work with them, give product development input when they're trying to, you know, their widget needs to be bigger, badder. Um, they, again, they always have the technology aspect of it, but when you don't have a background working with a, the aging population, you kind of don't know what you don't know. So those clients work, you know, I become a consultant to those uh, creators and producers who are trying to make an inroads in the senior sector. And then, of course, I will, I have uh, the bulk of my clients are senior living providers, people who run, own, and operate assisted living, memory care communities, even a little independent living because there's a lot of aging bodies in that uh, type of living environment. So everything from design to operations. I've, one of my favorite things to get involved with, Larry, is um, working with architects and developers as they're building memory care communities because it's not just slap up four walls and, and, and put a roof on it. There really has to be purposeful design uh, if you want operational success. So I really, really like lending voice to that sector, and that's probably one of my favorite things to do. Well, Ellen, since we are really talking in National Alzheimer's Awareness Month in this month of November, let's focus on your dementia expertise. And it's one of the things that the last time you joined us, we had a long conversation about and got a great response. Uh, so I'm going to start with this from the beginning, shall we? When we talk about dementia, Obviously, there's not just one, there's multiple types of dementia. And let's talk about dementia and how it kind of introduced you into this field, taking care of your dad. Yeah, well, you're right. You have a great, great recall. There are upwards of 100 different conditions that do create the dementia dynamic, meaning that and to have the dementia as part of the disease, you have to have the loss of cognitive thinking, um, memory, loss of memory, reasoning and things that especially like your executive functioning, those are all very common uh, traits when dementia is present. So, of course, as you noted, Alzheimer's is the number one diagnosed dementia. This is, of course, November is always National Alzheimer's Awareness. But, you know, there's Lewy body dementia, Parkinsonian dementia, um, you know, alcohol-related. You know, we call that the Korsakoff syndrome is the name of the alcohol-related uh, dementia, vascular dementia. So, again, many, many ways. And how I really got involved with it, truthfully, Larry, was actually a little before my dad. Um, my dad had a dual diagnosis. He had a combination of Lewy body dementia and um, Parkinson's, which is a tough, it's not only movement, the Parkinson's impacts movement, but Lewy body dementia has a lot of delusions and nighttime issues. So it's got a different trajectory and a, and a disease path than, all, than Alzheimer's. Um, and, but I've been in the business about 10 years at that point. So obviously you and I knew each other when I, you're still a broadcaster. God bless you. I was for, for many years. But after 9-11 is when I left New York and I purposefully entered the senior living space. So I have uh, been in it since then and, and always kind of landed on the dementia side of the industry. The entire almost 20 years I've been in the business, I started in activities, I moved up into operations, and I became a national director at one point and then a senior vice president of dementia operations. So 
I weirdly, I know it seems like the craziest <laughs> transition going from the sidelines at Jets camp <laughs> to now being a, a you know a dementia expert, but it's the fact that I studied and immersed myself. I had great opportunities throughout these 20 years to have many advanced certificates and and get involved in a lot of different um, you know ongoing continuing education. So here I am. And 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 it and it and you and I, we are two people on this on this uh, show that have both been impacted by dementia. And so, technically, you, you you know you know a lot you know you know a lot more than the average person yourself, Larry. Yeah, it's unfortunate. And and I'll tell you this, um, Ellen, I don't wish it uh, upon anybody to have to deal with it from an emotional standpoint, uh, from a mental standpoint, and then from a quote, helplessness, unquote, standpoint, because even though you're a caregiver, you really, and you're doing the best you can, Ellen, but but you're watching your loved one slip away. And and I think one of the things that we discussed last time, which was so, so helpful it, with my wife and I, as we were helping uh, her mom, who has since passed, is mm-hmm. the fact that you always said, they're still in there somewhere. Right. We, we 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 notice that there's a difference. We know they may not be responding to us the way the way they used to. But you still have to reach out to them and speak to them as if they're still there. And Ellen, that was invaluable information. Well, I really you know, it's so funny, ironically, that you mentioned that. Uh, and I appreciate your feedback on that, because it is really, truly it's, for 20 years. That's what I've practiced. And not only with my own dad, of course. But of course, I, I you know work with professionals across the country, and and it is hard to wrap your brain around. It is hard when you are in the midst of the the crisis or in the midst of the um, the caregiving. So I appreciate your feedback, but I have to tell you, ironically, just last weekend, I got a panicked phone call from a, a very prominent person in my life. He's a, a gentleman that runs an organization. Um, and he, his father has early onset dementia. What does that mean? Excuse me, early onset Alzheimer's. And what does that mean? He, he got the diagnosis under the age of 65. Mm-hmm. That's a pretty aggressive diagnosis. Um, when somebody is given a, an Alzheimer's diagnosis under the age of 65, they usually progress through the journey significantly faster than somebody who gets the diagnosis at 80 or 85. Um, it's a, it is a, Alzheimer's and dementia in general, but most notably Alzheimer's does tend to be a slow, progressive brain disorder. But when it's under the age of 65, it's, it's at a w- little bit of a, not warped speed, that sounds a little too fast, but it definitely cuts the time of the pro- disease progression in half. He reached out to me in complete crisis mode. Um, his, there had been a, a significant issue where police needed to be called in regards to his dad. His mother was all, um, and her and um, his brothers. His brother and mom take care of the dad. Um, the guy that was reaching out to me lives near me, and his parents live about three hours away. Um, so they were in complete crisis mode. The police needed to get involved. An ER visit happened. He was over-medicated. I mean, just everything that you don't want to have happen. Um, and, and, and it's so hard to make decisions during crisis. And they were reaching out to me because they were trying to find placement. Now in the midst of crisis, now they had to try to get a, an assisted living memory care community to accept him as a resident. 
all the opposite things you want to have happen. But as the dust cleared, I reached out to him this week. He's very, you know, he's, he's just a strong man in our community, but he's, this is breaking him a little bit. And sure. uh, this whole experience that he was watching go happen. And I said the exact same things I had said to your uh, listeners and to you before. I promised him, I said, I know this doesn't seem possible right now, but please hear me and trust and believe that even though your dad, or insert family member here, even though your person is deteriorating right before your eyes, cognitively, certainly some physically as well, they, the disease, I don't care how ravaged or how aggressive your dementia is, it does not touch your heart and your soul. And when I say your heart, I mean the, the deep inside your heart. If you have heart condition, that's, that's another thing. But, mm-hmm. but that, that, that soul, and, and I ex- encouraged him, I said, please continue to find ways to laugh. Please hold his hand. Please compliment him. Your words of love and tenderness have infinite infinite value to the person who is receiving that with dementia. They may not be able to express it, but it will absolutely impact their heart and soul in in such boundless ways. And you're doing them such a a favor and and giving them so many blessings by, um, by, by, by continuing to treat them with kindness, respect, and dignity and never stop, um, you know, showing, drowning them in love. And it sounds like you guys did that. Not easy, not all the time easy, but it does have infinite value for both sides of the equation. Right, right, Larry? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. There's no question about it. You're listening to my guest. She's Ellen Belk, dementia expert, silver living strategist and founding owner of Keep in Mind, which provides some alternative ways to help Alzheimer's patients. Next on New York Sports and Beyond, we'll explore Tips for caregivers during the COVID-19 pandemic on 98.7 ESPN. Thanks for stopping by New York Sports and Beyond on 98.7 ESPN. I'm Larry Hardesty. Let's continue my conversation with dementia specialist Ellen Belk. Let's stay on this line, uh, Ellen, about caregivers, because I'm really big on that, having gone through it. And Mm -hmm. we're in the It's a 24-hour, seven-day-a-week job. <laughs> okay, yeah. that, that that's yeah. the way it is. And now it's it's great when you have other family members who can come and help you. And so now, Ellen, when you understand we bring this COVID nineteen situation in, where that kind yeah. of challenges who who can help you. And so, can you give some tips? Just a just for caregivers overall in trying to deal with the loved one and trying to keep them engaged as much as possible. And as we just talked about, keep making sure that you understand that they're still in there, even though they're not responding to you the way they did, they used to. So in addition to that, how do you deal with it? And then bring in the COVID-19 situation of making sure that, you know, it might be obvious, but making sure that other family members who are coming in to help you are like really fanatically (laughs) scrubbing down and and sanitizing their hands and everything. Yeah, no, 100%. You know, it's funny. At one point in my career, I was called to an emergency duty in a hurricane in Virginia. We had a community in in Virginia that I oversaw, and they had lost their power. They were in the midst of a a, a hurricane. And I just remember at that time um, being, you know, I was had to swoop in and, and for a couple of days, 
in you know by light with gener you know generators being or lights being run by generators. I was creating activity programs, leading them in song. We were doing all kinds of things. They had no idea. Literally, they had no idea because I was doing my job well. They had no idea that there was a hurricane happening outside. We had to present that this was just another day in the wonderful life that we were delivering. I bring that example up is because. COVID is absolutely impacting us as, you know, cognitively intact adult family caregivers. However, it really is important and hopefully we're coming out of it. So this is a little, you know, but you never know. Uh, mm -hmm. there, there's, you know, spikes all over the country. So the, the overall message here is it's really critical family caregivers regardless of how tired you are, regardless of, you know, um, dad repeated himself for the 67th time today, you really need to maintain a nurturing, loving, non-chaotic uh, um, caregiving environment. You should not have Fox News, CNN, and MSNBC on all day. Why? Because all that, even though you want to hear what's happening, because you want to stay abreast of the situation, all of that noise, all of that language, all of those images coming out of that TV screen can absolutely have negative impact on your loved one. Even if you say, well, Ellen, mom doesn't know. She sleeps half the day. Again, remember, <laughs> you're, just when you're sleeping, it doesn't mean you're not hearing things. Just like if you were asleep, Larry, and somebody stormed through your front door, you would hear it. Um, you have the sensibility to hear it. People with dementia can still hear. <laughs> and so when they're hearing anger and aggression and lots of chattery noise on the television, that absolutely can come back to kick you in the butt in the, in the throughout your day, caregivers. So you need to be real, real careful with what stimuli is coming into the environment, especially since you can't really take people out easily anymore. You can't go for a walk in the park like you may have done or go grocery shopping and let them push the cart. You can't, you're not, you're hindered with that now. So now it's critical that your home care environment is calm, nurturing, not filled with a lot of stimuli. I also encourage weather permitting, yes, you might, and if you can, depending on what your dwelling is like and where you live, I'd love, I, people can still sit on their front porch, on their back deck, heck, put a lawn chair in the driveway if that's all you've got, fresh air, you know, again, on your own property, in your own place, you don't have to, you won't be elbow to elbow with all your neighbors, but fresh air, getting your loved ones with dementia to get some natural vitamin D by sitting outside, even if it's 10 minutes, um, it's, it's absolutely good for, their, for them to, to get fresh air. It does increase their, um, you know, obviously vitamin D from a natural perspective is good for all human beings, um, but it also does have positive impacts on restful sleep at night. So there's that. Um, the other thing is, you know, you're going to be tired because you are now 24-7, 365. You always were, but at least you might have been able to take a break because, you know, your, your in-home care provider could come. So now there is no breaking away. You're in it 24-7. However, I do encourage um, family caregivers, you still have to take care of you. Mm -hmm. Always easier said than done. But even... Letting, uh, you know, offering your loved one a, a yummy bowl of ice cream um, you, and maybe you are able to step off to the side and, you know, do some deep breathing, take a minute, 
maybe you can stand out on the porch while you can physically still, if you still need to lay eyes on your loved one while they're engaged in eating something lovely or yummy or tasteful, you still need to have physical separation so that you can breathe a little bit as a caregiver. I mean, you have to agree with that, right, Larry? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, Ellen, because you can't help them if you're not, you know, on top of your game. And listen, it's not easy. We're not sitting here telling you that it's the easiest thing to do. You do it out of love. You do it out of respect and kindness. Um, and, you know, when you feel tired and you feel yourself getting tired, Ellen, do not be afraid to call for somebody to come in and give you a break because, yeah. you know, that that's important. Now, having said that, and Ellen, you can address this, it has to be somebody that is kind of familiar to them because because of their disease, sometimes they will get confused. They may forget who you are. So sure. it, it helps if it's somebody that they've seen, they're familiar. You know what I mean, Ellen? Uh, that somebody they're familiar with so that it doesn't totally confuse them because as you mentioned with your, one of your, your clients earlier, that's a major part of this Alzheimer's is the delusion factor. And depending on the type of dementia you have, sometimes the, the night is a totally different experience for them. Yeah, yeah, man, that, that is true. Um, and I've lived through all that. Now, to your point, and I have this in my situation, um, you know, I have siblings and you have, you know, you anyone who's got family members, family is always hard to take care of family because yeah. You know, you really have to be a special person, and there are a lot of people that can't do it because they still have the the angst, and the, they still feel like they're the child to their demented. You know, their dad with dementia, and he, they remember that dad smacked them with a, a belt back when they were fourteen. I mean, there, at, at sometimes it can be so hard caring as a family member because you carry that family baggage with you. But I will say, you absolutely are correct. Caregivers, excuse my French, we kind of suck at. We don't suck at caring for others. We suck at caring for ourselves sometimes. We run rapid. You get two hours of sleep. You, you don't get your health checkups that you need. You don't do your personal self-cares that you need because you're so engrossed in your other person. So you're, you're exactly right. You have to have a circle of support. And sometimes it's not your siblings or the sister of your loved one, um, like if your loved one is your dad and his sister was always involved, sometimes not everybody is designed to be a caregiver. So what, even when even when you need a, a secondary person, it doesn't only have to be somebody that's related to you. I do ask people to be to be very mindful of growing their team. So let's just say um, in your case, you and your wife, you were the head coaches, if you will, of the care mm -hmm. of your mother-in-law. Mm -hmm. But then, of course, you might have had some ancillary service providers. Yes. You had the yeah, brother-in-laws and like, some professional aides coming into. But then, and you don't have to name this person, and I certainly won't in mind because I have several. Then there are those people that you would love for them to be another go-to because everybody, the bigger the team and the more dedicated the team of people, the really truthfully, the spreading of the wealth of the of the duties, it really does help everybody. Mm -hmm. But sometimes yes. there's people on the team or in your immediate family that should not be that on that part of the team. They're not the go-to. I had that in my situation. I had siblings who lived near my mom and dad and 
and they didn't even acknowledge that there was a problem. I mean, it's like, wow, really? Are you legitimately not realizing what's going on here with dad? So I realized very quickly, okay, that's not a team member that's going to be able to help me in the overnight. That's not, not on a regular basis. That might be a teammate, teammate who could run some errands for us and drop off the groceries at the door. You know, so you've got to kind of know that, Larry. You gotta, and you have to be really, as you advocate for the person you're caring for, you have to be really mindful of that because, to your point, when you are bringing someone into your home, whether they're related to you or they're a paid professional, and not all paid professionals are a perfect fit for your loved no. one either. True. And yeah. I've had to fire a couple of them when my dad was being taken care of. Absolutely said, nope, not a good personality fit. I don't like the way she talks to my dad. So it's okay to fire your people, and even if that means maybe not letting the family member know they're fired, but just kind of reevaluating their position on the team. Mm -hmm. Um, Because to your point, regardless, though, and maybe it's because I do this professionally, and it's it's not uncommon that I do walk into buildings where the residents have never met me, or I am sometimes involved in personal situations where a a client has never met me, and and I'm being asked to help, and I do have this. You know, I've been told it's kind of like this dementia whisperer thing because it 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 it, it, it is more about how you're speaking. Are mm-hmm. you are the people that are in the, your loved one's circle speaking with from a place of kindness, whether they know them or not? There's a knack, Larry. Yeah. There's like a knack to taking care of people with cognitive decline. You can't be right. Like if somebody I'm caring for is telling me that it's you know Saturday. Uh, the night before the Winter Olympics uh, circa 1962, guess what? That's exactly what I'm going to agree mm-hmm. with. That's exactly right. I can't wait to see the, you know, the downhill skiers tomorrow. We have to live in their reality. If, I'm, if you're constantly correcting, if you're a person that has to be right and you have to correct everything, if your mother with dementia is calling you by your sister's name and you just keep insisting that you have to correct her, that's not going to be a very good caregiving relationship. <laughs> yeah, the right. mother, your mother will start to get angry and anxious. Like she can't do anything right. So we should not be correcting. You should not have people in the inner circle who are part of the support care. If they are the people that have to be right, they know everything. They have no time for deviation. Uh, that's not a good person that needs to be on the front lines of care in, with someone with dementia. No question about it. When we return, creating holidays to make it easier for your dementia patient. That's next. You're listening to 98.7 ESPN. Welcome back to 98.7 ESPN. I'm Larry Hardesty. You're listening to New York Sports and Beyond. Let's conclude my discussion with Ellen Belk, dementia expert, silver living strategist, and founding owner of Keep In Mind. Ellen, it's holiday time. (laughs) God, really? This whole year we've been on vacation, haven't we? I know, right? (laughs) (laughs) So this was always... A challenge and and it's a challenge because it's the holiday you want to bring family members in and sometimes Ellen family members aren't ready to see their loved one the way that their loved one is right now and so when you create this dementia holiday what's the best way to do it so that everybody is you know everybody's okay for lack of a better phrase, everybody, everybody enjoys the time. And as opposed to just sitting back and leaving with God, she's not the way she used to be, but as wow, it was so great to spend time with her during this holiday, even though she's battling this illness. Sure. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to answer that from a two prong approach. First of all, let's, let's, 
the first couple of bullets I'll give you is like, if you have somebody, if you yourself are a family caregiver and you're going to be hosting something in your home, Mm -hmm. or if you are a person that has family caregivers that you know, your sister is caring for your dad and you're hosting it and you want her to come with dad over to you. So from, from a family caregiving perspective, if you are the one who's caring for your loved one and you plan on having people over to your home over the holidays, whatever you're celebrating, however you're doing it, there are some really good tips to the tricks of the trade to make make it successful for everybody. Number one, um, keep things smaller. So instead of, you know, 37 people that you usually have every year, maybe if we could whittle that down to, you know, 12 or 14, maybe there has to be two separate things. Maybe you host one for 12 and somebody else. People in your world need to be, you need to be okay as a caregiver of really maintaining your care environment. And if that means that there's some hurt feelings, well then, Sadly, that's, you know, that's the former New Yorker me. It's like, well, that's on you guys because I'm doing what's best for the loved one that I'm caring for. And yep. Ellen, with COVID, it means like we will have to Zoom. We'll have to, you'll, you'll watch yeah, virtually. Oh, that. Well, that's true too. I mean, that's, yeah. I, yeah, I guess I was kind of operating under the idea that we would do that. But to your point, absolutely, if that's the only way to do it. So if you have, that's a perfect segue to this. If you're the person caring and you and and if you know somebody who's caring for somebody and you know they're not going to be able to leave their home and come to your 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 uh, house to celebrate, absolutely zooming with them, absolutely dropping them a note, good old fashioned snail mail, telling someone that you're thinking of them and that you love them and that you wish that they could be with you, but you they know you know they've got caregiving duties, so you will be missed, but we're sending you hugs and prayers or whatever. Those are hugely powerful things for people who feel isolated while caring for somebody. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know how isolated you feel, Larry. You know how it is. When you and yeah. your wife are caring for your, lo- for your mother-in-law, you start to realize who your friends are. And when your yeah. phone stops ringing, that's, that, those, that happened to me, and those are people I never went back and talked to again. Because if you can't be with me at my most vulnerable where I'm really needing support, then you know, shame on you. Um, so definitely finding those obviously technolo- technology ways to Zoom, FaceTime, um, drop in virtually, if you will. To, but if you are able to host something, keeping things smaller, simpler. Mm-hmm. Also, if for some reason you are able to, again, gather, and I know there's limits in some states yes. as to how many people can gather. But if I'm caring for my loved one and I know I'm going to have six or eight people stop by on a Saturday night to celebrate whatever we're celebrating – it really is incumbent on you as the caregiver to give them a little bit of an advanced warning. Maybe you shoot out an email to everybody and say, just so you know, since our last time we gathered, dad is definitely, dad's going to look a little different. He's further in his journey. I think it's incumbent and he may not remember your name. So please be kind and gentle and, and you can still kiss him on the cheek and hold his hand and bring your sunny personality Thank you. Can't wait to see you on Saturday. We as caregivers really do need to set the tone for, to your point, Larry, what people may or may not be seeing that is either uncomfortable or different for them. Um, Setting the parameters also, hey, uh, if you're going to come visit us on Saturday, please don't come after 6 Mm -hmm. Um, Mm p.m. You know, please come between noon and 5 p.m. That's the best time of day to come visit dad. We look forward to seeing you. You know, set those parameters so that every part of the equation is successful. 
Um, and likewise, I also want to say, if you're being invited to go, if you're a family caregiver and you've got a loved one with dementia who might be earlier in their journey, and, you know, be, be real mindful on that. If, if the party starts at 8 p.m. and typically every day your loved one that you're caring for is, tends to go to bed at 7 I would not accept an 8 p.m. Uh, invitation where I'm going to take my loved one out of their routine, out of their rhythm, if you have to take them with you. Um, so be mindful of that. You don't take them on long plane rides or car rides six hours away where they're going to sleep in a hotel. Those are, those are changes to the routine. And, again, it depends on where they are in their, in their journey. Um, some people think that just because their mom is a little forgetful and she still can walk and sing, you know, Christmas hymns, but she might not use the restroom appropriately by herself, so she needs some help. People think, oh, she can still come and we can get on a plane. Mm. You'd be amazed at how much damage the change of routine, the change of environment, all the overstimulation that happens during the holidays and travel, you'd be amazed at how that can really negatively impact somebody, even in the earlier stages of dementia, because it just jacks their, their, their whole body system up, their whole routine up, and you will feel that back home for three or four or five more days after you return. Even something as simple, Ellen, as if your loved one has to go to the hospital for something else, and then they come back home, it takes you three, four, five days to get them reacclimated to the schedule that they're used to because it has totally thrown them off. It, it just it just puts them in a whole different aspect. And I think it is just, Ellen, it is virtually impossible for you as, as a caregiver to, you, 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 you see it, but it's impossible for you as a caregiver to understand what it's like, even though you're, you're there every day. But it's just impossible right. and the fear and the, you know, what's going on and and you can see it in their eyes. You can see it in their behavior. You can see the change and you learn and you understand that, hey, you know what? I got to keep them on this schedule and I want to yep. come by and see grandma or granddad. No, I'm sorry. You can't come at night. I, I know you want to okay. come on your time, but they sleep yeah. at this time. And, you know, OK, I, I know I know I'm the bad guy here, but I'm protecting them here's when they have lunch. They have lunch between this time and this time. Give me an yep. hour, hour, hour and a half to give them lunch. They take a nap. There's your time frame. You could come see them. Love for you to see them. They want to see you. <laughs> right, Ellen? Yep. Like, they want to see you. They want to see different people. That's what helps the stimulation. Um, grabbing their hand, like you said, rolling a ball across the table and having them respond back. Some of the, yep. it, it's almost like, Ellen, you're, it's almost like they have reverted back to infants. And so you have to think of it in, in some ways that, okay, this is like a little baby here. This is what you do. And you have to talk to them a certain way and you have to, you have to interact with them totally differently, depending on where they are on their journey. Yeah. And that's, and that's the key. There was a guy in my life. He was a mentor of mine early in my career and he used to make the con. He was a consultant back in those days as well. And he used to tell a story about, well, I got a phone call from one of my clients one day and they're like, Hey, so-and-so, yesterday at 3 p.m., my dad crossed over from level three to level four of dementia. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay, that's not how that works. <laughs> <laughs> it's not, really? you know, it's not like, it's not a turning on of a clock. It really yeah. is a 
slow progressive disease yeah. journey. But to your point, when you're with the person 24-7, 365, you absolutely know when the witching hours are, when the very when the best of the best of the day is. People are listen, just keep it keep it keep this in mind. You know, having a progressive degenerative brain disease, which is what all dementias are, is very exhausting. And let me tell you why it's exhausting, because you yourself, the person who's got the disease, I'm going to tell you something, your mother-in-law, my dad, insert person's name here, they've known for quite some time, Mm -hmm. the pre-diagnosis, sometimes several years, that something isn't right. So they've already, they're already years ahead of us. We're catching up when they finally get diagnosed. They've probably been suffering with cognitive decline for several years prior to diagnosis. So we're playing catch up at this point as caregivers. And so it's exhausting to try to keep up with conversation, to try to remember names, to try to do all the things that was part of your daily life pre-diagnosis of dementia. So now you've got dementia. And because the other thing, Larry, it's not uncommon it's not uncommon at all, especially in the early uh, stages of diagnoses. I have residents that have looked like they could run a marathon. Yeah. My dad was still literally, Larry, within a month of my dad's life, he was still walking, albeit with his walker, five laps around the interior uh, hall space of the condominium that he and my mom shared. I mean, we kind of figured that out. That was maybe close to a little over, you know, maybe over a half a mile, but uh, over a quarter mile, but maybe not quite a a half mile. My 82-year-old father with Louis body and Parkinson's with his walker was still fulfilling his exercise regimen about six weeks before his death. Mm -hmm. So there are people, you know, dementia comes in all different shapes and sizes and it has different progressiveness, you know, progressions within the disease. But it's not uncommon for people to look perfectly normal. And that's why we, we, you know, those people don't believe us when we say, yeah, they don't remember what they had for lunch. Oh, no, nonsense. Because you expect them to have like horns on their head or to have some badge that is flashing on their chest that says, I don't remember anything you're saying. You know, because we're used to seeing outward signs of, you know, disease when you've got you know, COPD because there might be breathing tubes or breast cancer because there's pink ribbons or a shaved head. We don't have that in dementia. It's all happening between the ears where nobody can see. So that's a, that's a handicap uh, for us who are trying to like advocate for our loved one because nobody wants to believe us because mom, dad, they don't look sick. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. It's true. Ellen, uh, in the closing time we have about a minute or so, give me the website and tell us what we can find on the website that can help us out and give us some different alternative strategies in dealing with our loved one. Sure. Um, you can find me at the website is again, www. I don't know if we need to still say that anymore, but keep in mind Inc. So keep in mind, don't forget, keep in mind INC as in incorporated.com. Uh, on my website, you know, I'm still bl- building it. FYI, I, I, I relaunched Keep in Mind during the pandemic mm-hmm. uh, because several years ago, the last time I spoke with you, I had, I still was operating Keep in Mind, but I had, le- I'd kind of shuttered it to uh, work for one of my largest clients. So in the midst of the pandemic, I got the bright idea 
to leave my client, go back out on my own, and launch Keep in Mind. So I'm still, uh, my blog and certain things need to be updated. I, I will, will continue to grow as I continue to grow the business. Um, but I have things on there called 60-second solutions. Um, I really encourage your listeners to come and click onto that website, scroll down until you see 60-second solutions. It's little tips, and I'm going to be adding more as as I move forward here, little 60-second snippets, how to, how to speak in a dementia-friendly way, how to create a dining environment. These are all for family caregivers. How to create a dining environment in a, in a, in a, in a dementia-friendly way. The other thing that just might give some people some peace of mind and just know that they're not alone is something I call Kim quotes, Kim short for keep in mind. And it's, I, I write these poems, if you will, either from the voice of a person with dementia or from the voice of a person caring for somebody with dementia, and, and I you know, will be posting more of those and continue to pay attention to that. You might just need to see a couple of reassuring words that might give you that boost that you need. So those are two areas for sure that family caregivers can find some benefit, and of course the blog as well. And the blog is important because the one thing um, that we know, Ellen, is a family care member. You think you're alone, but believe me, you are not alone. There are so many caregivers dealing with uh, family members and friends with dementia. It's 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 just growing leaps and bounds across this country. It is. It is. Yeah, it's true. It really is. Ellen, thanks for a couple of minutes. And if we don't chat, happy holidays. Thank you, my friend. You too. It's so great to hear your voice and continued success to you. I, I love being in your world, Larry Hardesty. I just love it. I love knowing you. Well, I appreciate that same way, Ellen. And give regards to your husband, who's also really involved in, in uh, Keep In Mind, Inc. So we'll give him the best wishes, and uh, we'll have you back in the new year. Sounds good. Have a good rest of your morning. Thank you. That wraps up this edition of New York Sports and Beyond here on 98.7 ESPN. We thank you for listening. We'll join you later today following our coverage of the 49ers Saints on The Drive. And, of course, during the week on ESPN New York Tonight, and obviously right back here next Sunday morning on New York Sports and Beyond. From our incredibly talented all-world producer, Primetime Ray Santiago, I'm Larry Hardesty. The Fine Line is next, followed by Anita Marks with Family Focus. Then Anita joins Chris Canty and RG and Mike Tannenbaum on New York Game Day at 8. Yeah, it's a football Sunday right here on 98.7 ESPN New York. There you go, Dr. Ray.